0: Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the Jay Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein.
1: What's up, everybody? Hope you're all doing well out there and enjoying the holiday season. Not working too hard, taking some time to catch up on some movies and I don't know, maybe some, some podcasts like recent episodes of Sports and Torts. We got plenty of uh, college football talk recently. Had a great episode with Jonathan Hawkins last week. We had the president of Game Changer a few weeks back. So I really do think that there's something for everybody out there to listen to. I have been looking forward to today's, to today's episode for a while. In fact, we've been trying to schedule it for quite some time. Uh, my man, Stephen Lefkoff from Lefkoff Law here in Atlanta is with us today. I'm a few years older than Steven, but he was actually my next-door neighbor when we were kids, and then uh, your family moved away for a little bit, Um, but we reconnected recently after law school and his lawyers, and it's just great to get back together. Um, But the real fun fact of the day, there are two people in this world who are responsible for me starting this podcast and getting it off the ground. Number one... Tim Ferriss, number two, Stephen Lefkoff, and he is here. My man, cheers. What's up?
0: I find that so hard to believe. I don't even know what to tell you, but I appreciate it.
1: Um, It's true. It's true. I actually went back and looked in my – these phones, they will log all sorts of information, and and you can go back. It was November 18th, 2021. We met at Companions in Sandy Springs. You had a podcast. You still do have a podcast. Um, I've been thinking about doing one for a while. And I'm like, dude, my man Lefkoff's crushing it with it. His is awesome. Like, teach me. That, that's exactly what happened.
0: It must have worked because we were at Companions because that's one of my favorite places. <laughs>
1: Great little spot. Uh, it's true, man. You told me all the gear to get, all the software, all the, I don't know, editing stuff. So thank you, my friend. But I'll
0: tell it. you, credit to you because you took it and ran with it, right? And, and one of the pieces of advice I gave, I think, was if you're going to do it, you got to really do it. And, and you've done it. I mean, we're on episode 80, 90. I mean, you're approaching triple digits.
1: That's right. And I tell people that same thing. I mean, what you told me consistency is key. If you do one and then don't do one for a couple of months, people kind of lose interest. You got to kind of keep it going. So um, yeah, man, we're here. And you were so kind as to bring, uh, bring me a bottle of bourbon. Um, Jay Mattingly saw Wisticated this limited private barrel, fancy select. I mean, you're a bourbon guy. I try to be a bourbon guy, but, but, this is a special and fancy bottle buddy. I appreciate
0: it. Oh listen, it's my pleasure. There's a, a funny story, so we're we're in an industry of controversy, right? as lawyers. we're always dealing with people's problems. We're fixing problems, we're preventing problems. They, uh, there's a little story with this brand that people are very hit or miss with them. And the like purists can't stand them, and the I, I really like the brand. But the reason is because there was like video, um, I don't know, a was security video or someone's iPhone or whatever, of them mixing bourbons together, which is what a lot of blends, that's where blends come from, is mixing different barrels. But they were doing it in like plastic garbage bins, like the kinds, you know, in your fraternity house that you would make the slushies out the hunch of. Hunch punch, yeah. Yeah, the hunch punch, exactly. So they were doing that, but they were doing that with hundreds of dollars of bourbon and selling this stuff for a lot of money and the purists are like hey you you know if if you're going to sell this for the triple digits you're selling it for i don't want to see it in a plastic garbage tub you know before i drink it
1: it's it's like the old saying like you don't want to see how the sausage is made you want to just enjoy it Uh, i'm enjoying the hell out of it and so i don't need to see exactly what it took to get here but uh (laughs) very interesting this thing packs a punch to 125 proof
0: yeah, it's going to make uh, maybe the last 30 minutes of this podcast a little different than the first.
1: It's funny, is that you, you can tell with some people, like the conversation at the last 10, 15 minutes, it kind of does go a different direction, but uh, we'll have a good time today. So um, I mentioned we were neighbors growing up. I mean, like next door, freaking neighbors. My parents still love talking about your family and you and your brother and your sister running around outside. So I think y'all were just a couple years younger than me, my brother, and my sister. Um, so it was fun to, to see that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fun thinking back about that um, that little cul-de-sac we were on, on
1: Citadel Circle. Citadel in, Circle,
0: yeah. In good old Marietta, Georgia. And uh, I was, yeah, I think I'm maybe a year younger than your sister, who's your youngest sibling. And so we were a little bit behind you guys, but we still, you know, my wife talks about wanting a white picket fence home. And when I hear that, I always think, I don't think you guys had a picket fence, if I remember. I don't know if you did or not, you'll have to correct me, but I remember just the white Siding the white house it it looks so um i don't know what the right word is but but it's like perfect for being like a southern neighborhood
1: home yeah the old victorian style house that's it. um it's funny because it was so different than every other house in the neighborhood and so people would all, I mean to this day i mean it's funny you bring it up they're like oh that's your parents house that's the house you grew up in cuz it is uh not that it's a big house or anything it just it just it just looks different so uh but it was always fun keeping up with with you guys and where you ended up you ended up at university of illinois right? I did. did. So I think you're the first Fighting Illini guest of the podcast.
0: Might be your last too. We'll see.
1: (laughs) Is that uh, Champagne? Is that the city? That's it. That's it. In the middle of nowhere. Tell me about it. I don't really know much about Champagne, Illinois.
0: So Champagne is in the middle of cornfields. It is, if you were to imagine a triangle from Chicago to St. Louis to Indianapolis, Champagne's right in the middle. It's between Two to three hours from each of those big cities. And there, I mean, it makes Athens look like a booming metropolis.
1: I was going to ask you, because you went up at law school in Athens. So the tail of the tape, I mean, you're just going to answer it.
0: Yeah, football. That's what brought me to No, no. It's uh, But coming home, coming home was the reason I went here. Well, I mean,
1: the comparison between Champagne is a city and Athens
0: as Oh, a city. It, there's no comparison. I mean, yeah. Champagne's a, a great place. Um, I don't know how risque we can get, but bars were 18 years old to get in and we had a lot of fun. I mean, there's not much to do when it's eight degrees outside other than just party. But yeah.
1: yeah. So obviously Metro Atlanta, the great majority of folks, kids want to go to, to Georgia. Is that, is that similar in Chicago? Is that where most people are going to school? Very much so. And you're a basketball guy. So big 10 basketball school. Is that one of the, the driving forces? It
0: was a lot of fun. Yeah. Basketball games at Illinois were like football games at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, your dad's a lawyer. Um, is that something that you always thought you wanted to do?
0: Nope. Sure wasn't. Uh, my dad, he, he is an attorney. He does bankruptcy, creditors' rights, bankruptcy work. And I interned with him in high school and hated it. And it was so form-driven. It was uninteresting to me. I didn't like it at all. Um, I was actually – had no interest in being an attorney. Went to uh, study abroad in London, England. Ran out of money because the pound is so was so expensive. And this was toward the end of my trip. I looked for free things to do. And one of the things was to go watch a trial at Old Bailey, which is their old courthouse. Oh, it was pretty neat. Yeah. It was cool. Did
1: everybody were wearing the wigs and everything. The wigs, the whole the,
0: the pageantry was unbelievable. And so I'm there watching this trial, which was probably I couldn't even understand what they were saying with the language they were using, the accents, all of that. But I was in awe of the pageantry. And I said, I walked out of that courtroom and said to myself, I'm doing this. This is what I want to do when I get older. I had no idea that in America we lose all that pageantry. We don't have any of that stuff, but I, it's the same, you know, it's the same idea of you're there to help people. That's really there cool. to be a counselor.
1: That's really cool. Um, I can imagine that that scene, you know, would be something that could could totally captivate you.
0: It really was. It was like a movie scene, for sure.
1: Now, your dad I love. I love your, everybody loves your dad. Um, and there was a period of time between, I'd say, 20, 2012, 2013, and 2018, where I saw him a lot over at Lifetime, uh, the exercise center. I'm talking like once a week, I'd see him, and we'd laugh because both of us were there. He'd call it the Jewish triathlon. He loves his Jewish triathlon. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, The jacuzzi, the steam room, and the sauna. And by the way, I was kind of growing into that sort of a sportsman myself. Um, so me and him would kind of wave like, yep, head to the triathlon. I'm like, I just finished. See you later, it's, man. He is a world record holder in the Jewish
0: triathlon, I believe. I am
1: on his heels, dude. I am on his heels. They used to make fun of me how many towels I would use. In <laughs> LA business. Uh, he's still practicing though, right? I mean, is he still doing this? Stuff? He is.
0: Yes, he is. His firm actually just hit 30 years. Uh, their 30-year anniversary is actually this month, December, and he is still, still going, really enjoying it. He's... Um, you know, he's he's doing something a lot of older lawyers don't do and I think that's actually enjoying yourself while practicing law. Yeah. And a, a lot of older lawyers I've noticed, you know, they they're running in and out of courtrooms. They are trying to make a buck. They didn't save anything. They spent it all, you know, in in when they're our age on trips, on cars, on houses. And next thing they know, they're in their mid 60s and can't afford to retire. Yeah, not and, much to show for it. Nothing to show for it and it's sad. It's sad.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's really good advice for younger lawyers listening. Um, there's no future in that. I mean, keeping up with the Joneses, whatever people, you know, people say it like, you know, doesn't matter. No. Do it no. makes you happy. Do it makes right. your firm work. That's what you've done. I mean, you've created a, a firm that I think really mirrors your personality and, and what you want it to be, which is great about the legal profession is that we have the ability to create firms and do the things that we want that, you know, kind of make us happy and make our vision. so. When did you start your firm? I remember when it was, but I don't think I really know how you got there, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, sure. So I started in 2017. I graduated UGA Law School in 2010, went to work at a small firm by by Perimeter Mall, and uh, for seven years, put in my time, learned a lot, and then kind of hit the glass ceiling at that firm and decided that I didn't want to work for anybody anymore, and I wanted to make decisions myself on the clients we took, the work we did, the way the firm was built. The people we hired and the software, you know, everything, granular. Yeah. And so that, that was April of 2017.
1: And we just discussed today how you just signed new space for new uh you know, new office, which is beautiful and big and plenty of space for people. So what we do in the last couple of years? Like how did we get here? What kind of case we're working on? What what you been doing? It's a we loaded got- question. How much time do we have? We have uh about 45 more minutes. I'm not going to take that much time. So you're into a lot of different things. That's what I think is so interesting about you. And there's always something I think in your brain you're working on or something, you know, something new to deliver to clients or to potential clients. So I'm just fascinated to hear kind of how you how you tick and where you've gone from thing to thing. So something to know about me
0: is relationships are my priority. Period, full stop. Everything starts from relationships. Relationships with my clients, with my staff, with my family, friends, you name it, it all starts with relationships. And so when I think about my priority being relationships, that creates a huge opening in the legal profession because it means if I have a relationship with you, I can do all kinds of different things for you. I'm not pigeonholed into, you know, I'm not a divorce attorney. I'm not a bankruptcy attorney. I'm not a personal injury attorney, right? I'm not any one of those kinds of attorneys. I'm a relationship attorney. I help you solve your problem. Now that's taken all kinds of different routes and we'll talk about the car space I'm sure soon cuz that's become a big big source of revenue for the firm.
1: Yeah. So the car stuff, I mean, Georgia car law, right? I mean, I think that's on your LinkedIn stuff, that's it on is. your website. So yeah. that that can mean a lot of things too. So what is it what is well, it mean? Well, and to it's
0: you? The, it's the same idea, right? So About a little more than half of the firm's business is in representing car businesses, dealers, finance, repair, repo, auction. But it's not pigeonholed into, yeah, we just do consumer litigation, or we just do employment. What we do is we provide holistic legal support to businesses that sell finance, repair, or warranty cars.
1: And was that from where your first job was having those sorts of relationships, getting into that sort of space and then be like, okay, I like this. I'm good at, it, I've got relationships. Let's just kind of take it and go. That's
0: exactly what it was. My first firm was, we called it door law or I called it door law, right? If it, you probably heard this, it walks in the door, we take it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was so many different things that even though I just said that we do a lot of different things, there were a lot of things in that firm that I didn't like. And so I was, my undergrad degrees in finance. I'm really a business-minded attorney, and I found myself gravitating towards these business clients, and we happen to have a lot in the car business.
1: Yeah. Are there other lawyers doing stuff in the car business, or are you kind of the guy? I'm pretty much it. So that's great. I mean, finding finding a niche in today's day and age is pretty difficult, at least in Atlanta.
0: We do. We get a lot of calls for, uh, with clients that say, I want you because you're the car guy. You're now car we've, guy. we've built that. I mean, that's taken years of building that reputation and producing videos and, and, and we'll talk about marketing
1: and all of that stuff. So the video glad you brought it up, because that's one thing that, that you're always working on. And it's always kind of in your inventory for people to go watch and see right on your websites, loaded up there, your social media pages. So, um, Sounds like that's pretty deliberate that you want to have that information so people recognize you with this sort of issues, these sorts of cases, and then they can go to your website and get this free information you're giving.
0: Yeah. And that's part of uh, the Georgia car law is is a great example. So when COVID hit and I had time because courts were closed, I filled my time by recording videos. And uh, this was a suggestion. I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Hacking of the Maximum Lawyer Group, but Jim's a mentor of mine out of St. Louis, the St. Louis area. And he suggested that I just start pumping out content. I didn't have much to do at the time. Like I said, courts were closed. And so that's what I started doing. And what we did was we created a landing page where if you enter your name and your email address for free, you get 90, I think it's 95 videos now on car law in Georgia. And it runs the gamut from magistrate court litigation to negotiating a dealer agreement and literally everything in between.
1: So Jim Hacking, Maximum Lawyer, uh, you introduced me to that group. And I, I remember talking to you like, this is kind of, it. it you, you got wired for them, for that group. And you're involved in it and you go speak at it. And I think that made a big impact in your development.
0: I, I can't tell you how big of an impact. I mean, you're not so different from me in that we're both solopreneurs, right? Like we both own our own law firms. And when you own your own law firm, there's not many people you can turn to. You don't have a partner necessarily. There's not five partners voting on a decision. You've got to make the decision. And if you don't know, you know, what's the right decision, right? Go with your gut. But my gut doesn't have as much experience as other people's guts. So it's important to, I think, find that tribe.
1: So his advice to you was get this, you know, make these videos. You always have the inventory there. And then were you releasing them like? daily? Or what was your way of getting them out of the world?
0: Yeah. So we started posting them weekly. um, And then what we did as well was, like I said, if you put your name and your email address into the landing page at georgiacarlaw.com that we created, you got access to all of them immediately. And so what I did was I started advertising that with the Georgia Independent Auto Dealer Association because they're a captive market for me. I've got videos on car law. Well, who am I going to advertise to? I'm going to advertise to the association that has 5,000 close to 5,000 members that are always looking for information.
1: So you've already brought me a bottle of bourbon, um, but I'm going to get try to get more from you. I'm trying to extract more from you. Is that okay? Of course. Um, because I have probably 200-something videos that I've done, probably, probably more over the last couple of years. And I feel like once I send them out on social media, they're kind of gone. Like they're on my – you know, if you go to my um, – Profile, you'd, you'd see them. They're kind of my website, kind of buried. People aren't finding them. Like, what would you tell me starting, let's say January first, would be a good way to repurpose all this content that I have? God,
0: I wish you had given me time to answer that question. No, I, I mean, just thought about it. As you're telling me what you I, well, have. Well, here's the beauty of video is that it can be. You use the word repurposed, right? You can take that video, you can turn it into podcasts from audio. You can like short form. You've got five minute videos. Boom! You now all of a sudden have two hundred podcast episodes. On personal injury, you can you can get transcripts. There are now AI services. You submit it for a transcript. Well, now you've got 200 blog posts, right? You've got magazine articles. I don't know if there's an injury association magazine. I don't know if there's you know doctors' offices. You can give pamphlets that have all because you already recorded that audio and you're just turning it into words.
1: You're inspiring me, dude. I, I, send me an invoice for all this. Yeah, uh, it's in the mail. Yeah, I mean, because I've been trying to think like, what is the best way to do with all this stuff? They're not just me that. That everybody produces out there. You gotta be able to keep using it. And then let me remind you what I said about your podcast, right? It's consistency is key. Yeah. We
0: a lot of people, like you said, are doing this. They're making the videos, they're posting it somewhere, and they're dying.
1: Right? It doesn't, it's no good if you don't keep it going, if you don't promote that. You mentioned the landing page. That's the other thing. It's like, how do we, I'm gonna say we, me, you, all the other people out there listening get people to find us? I mean, it's so so hard out there. The Internet is just this nebulous place of hundreds of thousands of lawyers and people and Google searches. And how do you get people to find you on that landing page?
0: So for me and you, it's a little different, right? Because your competition is much greater than mine. You asked before how many lawyers are doing car work. It's like zero. It's me. So for me, it's not terribly difficult to find the right avenues for me to advertise, right? but For you, it's different. But it all goes back to everything I said before, which is relationships. It's the same reason I'm entering a new office lease that we'll talk about later, because I want to be in person, because relationships. People refer you business over one of your competitors because they know you, you've heard this, know you like you, trust you, right? All of those things are critically important, critically.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. That's that's how I've always approached it. So let's talk about this new office space, because I'm super excited for you. Um, Like I said, it's beautiful. When are you moving in?
0: Uh, not till April, but it, I, I wish it was tomorrow.
1: <laughs> well, it'll get there soon enough. If anything if anything that we do know, we know that time goes by fast. So um, we've talked a lot about, especially the last couple of years, in-person, virtual, different types of work environments. You are an in-person guy. I'm an in-person guy. That's important to you and your firm. So how do you see this new office space really bringing home the way you want your firm to run? So it it just moves
0: us in that direction more. And the reason I like being in person is because of the opportunity to collaborate. Because I can say, you know, hey, Anthony, my associate attorney, like, what's going on in this case? Or let's have a strategy meeting in in the conference room right now on this case. Or did you see what we just got in on that case? Or have you called that client back? You know, all of these things that, yeah, are there ways to do it virtually? Of course there are. But, you know, is he... Not at his as desk right now because he's walking his dog. Is he, you know is is the firm admin not there because she's running an errand? All of that is allowed. You can still do that being in person. You can still have your time. You can be flexible. With time,
1: yeah, I, I'm I'm very much about being in person. Um, I know there's some jobs that can be done anywhere, and our job, to a certain extent, you can do some things everywhere. But I 100 percent agree with you about the power of being together, and um, I think that it's coming back. I think that the notion of everybody getting back into an office oh, yeah. is, is kind of here now. I which... think so,
0: especially in our industry. Yeah, I think it's
1: important. Now you shared something with me before we start recording, and and uh, hopefully I can bring it back up. If not, you can ask me to take it out. But you talk about an 18-month plan you have, um, which I think is is cool in a lot of things. And one, that you have something like that. A lot of people will say, I've got this plan. They don't really execute on it. And that's a pretty specific time, right? Like someone will say a year, five years. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say 18 months. So um, if I may, please, please help me understand what this vision is, what this plan is, how you arrive at an 18-month period, and what you're going to do to get there.
0: So it's – so – Great questions. Great Lots questions. of questions. but and It took us I, a long time to do, I like, to I like do, to by compound the way. my like, questions, it, it took me and my—I have a business coach who's phenomenal, and it took us a long time to work this thing out. And it started with our organizational chart. And so for those that don't have one of these, I strongly recommend—
1: Hand in it. the air. That's me.
0: Oh, come on, Josh. So here's what an org chart is. If, if you're not familiar with an org chart, it's basically who in your company are doing all of the different roles. And so we plotted out what the different roles are. And then we put faces and names and descriptions for each of those things. And it's not just three roles because we're three people. It's 20 roles because those are all the different roles. And then it's my name is on 14 of them, right? Well, I don't want my name to be on 14 of them. So it started with that. Once I saw that org chart, then I could say, okay, where am I going to change the names and change the people on this chart? So then what we did was we said, okay, Well, I know I need an employment attorney. I know I need an estate planning attorney. We're a business law firm. I want to be able to protect people's assets, and I want to protect people as employers. Right? Okay. Well, then in order to do that, I know I need a paralegal, maybe two. I know we probably, when we get to this level, we'll probably need a part-time bookkeeper. We already have a virtual one, but maybe somebody in the office. Uh, And then, So then we kept going through that process, and next thing we know, we say, okay, we need these eight people. Well, how long, when do you want to hire all these eight people? I'm like, well, I mean, not when I'm 60. We just talked about that. I want to retire mm-hmm. when I'm that age. So let's back our way into it. I'm like, okay, well, we're entering into a new lease. We're moving in in April.
1: Let's get started in April. Why not? Love it. So it's, it's planning out deliberate growth to put in different buckets, people that can accomplish what you want to accomplish for the firm.
0: And, and granular. So it's like April, May, we're hiring this role. June, July, we're hiring that role. August September, we're hiring that role.
1: So we know, sitting here today, what the hire is going to look like in the next eighteen months, and who and the type of position it's going to be. Yes. And then we got to find the person. Yes. How you do that?
0: Ads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ads relationships. So yeah. I so I love it, the, and this was not this was just by chance, but Jonathan Hawkins, who's who's um, do you know him by the I way? I do. He's great. All right, so he was on the podcast last week. Your law firm GC. If you have not listened to that podcast yet, and you're enjoying Stephen, which I know you are, listen to him as well. Um, you and him would have some good conversations, man, because this is what he preaches to his law firm clients. Be thinking exactly what you're just saying. Um, and me and him got into a conversation about, you know, the old concept of working on your business as opposed to in your business, which I told him, and I'll tell you, I'm not very good at, I should be better. I'm not, but that sounds like what you do. A lot of, a lot of your thinking, a lot of your planning is on your firm.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends on what your goals are. Right. And for me, my goal is to be the manager of the law firm, not to be, In the weeds. I don't want to be in court. I don't want to be, you know, I want to be managing relationships and I want to be managing the business.
1: Your goal is for your firm to be able to run without you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) That's right. So the next time I'm on your podcast, I'll be at the beach. Amen. How do you have time to do these other things you're doing? You got your magistrate court stuff, the small claims, the gavel, you got the driveway. Every time I turn around, you got something new. Like, I think I'm pretty good with my time. You must be amazing with your time.
0: I try to be. I try to be, but I'm also a hobbyist. Like I really, the the reason, so my podcast, we'll go back a minute. When we were talking at Companions about my podcast. So my podcast is called Lawyers with Lives. For me, it goes back to the relationship piece. But what I do in my podcast, is I interview lawyers about the things they do outside of being a lawyer, right? Outside of your law firm. What are your hobbies? And you were on it. You had an unbelievable midnight run where the sun didn't set. It was like the craziest story I've ever heard in Norway or wherever. Iceland. Iceland. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but, but I care about that stuff, right? And so for me, hobbies are so important. And what I've done is, and prioritized more recently than ever maybe, are hobbies tangential to my law firm. And that's what all of these things
1: are. So let's start with the Magistrate Court one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for people that aren't listening, maybe first explain to them what Magistrate Court is, the kind of matters that come before Magistrate Court, the gap that you saw between what consumers needed and what was really affordable for the courts, and what you did about it, because I think it's I think it's awesome.
0: Oh, thanks. So Magistrate Court, for those that don't know, that's Small Claims Court in Georgia. It's anything under $15,000, with a few exceptions here and there, but we'll, for purposes of the podcast, we'll say anything under $15,000. I go to court a lot in magistrate court for my car dealers because they're dealing with issues in repair shops where it's a $6,000 problem, an $8,000 problem, and they're already paying us on retainer or on a monthly basis, and so we go because they're members of our program. We can talk about that soon, too. Um, So I was there, and what I saw were a lot of people losing cases that they should win because they didn't know what they were doing. And it's sad because it's the people's court. You're supposed to be able to walk in and handle your case, but nobody hopefully goes to court more than once if they go at all. And so when they go, they don't know what they're doing. And I thought to myself, is there a way we can fill this gap? And so what I did was we created more videos. We created a, a video program called gavel, which, which supplied people supplies people with video lessons to be able to teach themselves how magistrate court works, what that ended up doing was actually getting the firm more business because we became known around the community as the law firm that helps people with cases nobody else will.
1: So I was going to ask about whether that, it sounds like it did, because I, you know, people call me with small claims matters, and I merely think of you and the service that you provided. And so I don't know if I rightly or wrongly give them your website name, and I don't know if they call you and say, hey, can you represent me? Or if they go through the, the program. But it sounds like you're getting calls like, hey, man, can you just do this for me?
0: 100%. That's what's happened. I didn't expect that. And I didn't really want that. My whole goal was like, you go do this yourself, you know, whatever. So what we had to do was we actually had to change our entire intake process at the firm to start charging for strategy sessions, for consults, right? Which is something I know in the PI world, you guys mostly don't do, uh, and in a lot of other firms they don't do. But for us, we were getting a lot of tire kicker calls, and for those cases, yeah, we can help you, but you got to put a little money where your mouth is. Number one, and number two, we're going to spend. I mean, we spend an hour on these calls, a right, good hour. Right.
1: You're not going to just do it, you know, gratuitously talking to every single person when they wax for an hour about what happened to them no i'll tell
0: you a quick little story i had a case today this was actually this morning i had a call with a client about a lemon law issue which is great for us because we know so much about cars mm-hmm. and it's a consumer piece so it's like wonderful i love those cases what they didn't know was whether their car qualified as a lemon okay other attorneys may say yes or no right no it doesn't sorry we can't help you or yes it does you know yeah sign up with us and we're going to take x percent of your case or whatever whatever right yeah. What I did was I spent an hour with them. We went through the entire purchase process, how much they paid, why they bought it, who they bought it for, what the lemon was, why they think it's a lemon, how many repairs it took. We went through this whole litany. Like I said, it was a full hour. And at the end of the day, it didn't qualify as a lemon under Georgia law, but they were now armed with not only the information of what the lemon law covers, but also strategies for how they should move forward to accomplish their goals, even though their car's not a lemon, and that's all the that people really want to know.
1: They wanted they, they were want, thrilled. They, they, yeah, they were thrilled. They just want to know that they understand the process, that they're not being screwed around, that they've got a claim they can act, they can go for. That's what people care most. about. They were thrilled. Yeah. Now, your small claims academy is that something different? Am I using these words interchangeably? Because that's
0: the video program. That's the video program for, for okay. mastering.
1: Okay. okay. So the idea was come on there. Is it a subscription? Is it you purchase like the access to everything and then it's a tutorial where you can teach yourself to go in front of the judge? That's exactly
0: thing? what it is. You purchase and we we sell it in three different – there's pre-trial, trial, and post-trial because you may not need it. You know, if you've already had your trial and you're trying to figure out what to do now, you don't want to pay for pre-trial because you've already gone past that point.
1: Right. So who kind of manages that? Like who's, who's overseeing the – you're smiling you're You're looking at it You're looking at it so you've learned a lot about e-commerce i guess yeah and and how to like yeah distribute materials and goods and videos oh
0: it's but it all here's the thing everything i've learned about it has helped my law firm grow right like all these things that i thought oh this is brilliant we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna sell this package we're gonna do this all of it led to law firm growth
1: that's so true it's like you like this podcast, you were asking me about yeah. this podcast and yeah. like things that I have done on this podcast that I've learned how to do or connections I've made have led to law firm growth. I didn't plan it that way, but I think that back to your, your point of being a hobbyist, it can only help us in our practices and our careers, breaking our lives. Like who wants to just sit around all day on the couch, watching soap operas, like do something.
0: Look, you told me when I walked in here, right. That you just love doing this. I do you meet yeah. people. You put like, all of this is to put a, a smile on your face. Right. I mean,
1: the bourbon helps too. It makes my face turn a little bit red, but all, all all of it's good. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to use another, another word, word word, term of yours, the driveway.
0: Yes. So the drive, this is my proudest crowning achievement or what? I don't know. Take another sip of bourbon. Who knows what I'll call it. But (laughs) the driveway is our membership program for car dealers. So we're doing something really different. And, um, and it's proven to be very successful for the firm. What we've done is we've taken our expertise in representing car dealers and our and our brand awareness in that space for the firm and we've turned that into a monthly revenue source where dealers pay us monthly, it's automatic on a credit card, and they get benefits every month. They can choose to use them, they can choose not to use them, and we can talk about the
1: benefits if you'd like, but it, yeah, what, what are some what are some benefits? I'm just thinking about like what 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 is it that you're offering them every month? They're like, okay, yeah, I'm paying for this. This is good stuff. Yeah. So it's so
0: we've got a form bank, and it depends on the level you subscribe at as to how many forms you get access to. We do monthly webinars that you get access to. We I do an open office zoom hours. I do three hours once a month. You could pop on when you want, and you go in a, you know, because of attorney client privilege, you go in a waiting room and I bring you in whatever, but that's free. We do, depending on your level, 15, 30, or 45-minute attorney calls, all included. We do a discount on legal services. We do flat fee for magistrate. There's a whole host of things.
1: How do these ideas pop in your head? You're just sitting around, hanging out, and you're just like, this sounds good. Or are you inspired by, have you met other lawyers that do certain things? you kind of marry them all together? What is it?
0: So part of it is seeing what other people are doing. But part of it is just thinking, how can we do things better? There's always a way, right? You're never as good as you're gonna be. And so I sit back and something will happen and I'll be in the middle of doing something. I'll go, dang, you know, this could be done better. Maybe like reverse engineer it a little bit a little bit, yeah. a little bit. and and one of the challenges for small law firms is cash flow. We might have a crazy good March, but April's terrible, right? And so I sit back and I go, how do I fix the cash flow? Well, one of the ways is to make regular cash flow, through a membership program, yeah,
1: a subscription business. People love that, right? Just clockwork, clockwork, clockwork. It
0: is, and and I'll tell you, we've so we're we have a big push for 100 Google reviews by the end of the year. So if you're listening out here and you want to look up Lefkoff Law, you know, whatever. All
1: right, but, well, let, let let's take a left turn then. Go ahead, finish oh, what I'll you're tell saying you real quick. Yeah.
0: So our last like five or six reviews have all been from driveway members talking about how awesome the program is and the value that they get from that
1: what is your strategy for increasing Google reviews? Because I have tried everything under the sun and we get them, but not at the rate that I think that we should.
0: Asking. So
1: we ask, we asked, dude, here's the other thing
0: we do. Um, <laughs> I don't remember who I got this idea from. I wish I could give credit to it, but somebody told me once to send an email out to your clients to, to have a, you can't see my air quotes right now, but we're having a competition to see, who can get the most Google reviews, right? And you could do this inner office, like who can get the most that say their name, right? Who can get the most that say Josh in them or whatever. Or you can do it like I'm having a competition with the Jay Stein law firm to see who can get the most Google reviews by the end of the month. Bro, I'm
1: not entering into that with you. You will whoop my <laughs> ass. I'm not even gonna try.
0: <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. But that works wonders. People want to help. They wanna help.
1: People wanna help. In my in my industry, of course, the end of my relationship with these people is a check. Oh. What can make someone happier than walking to someone's office with money? And I ask, and I explain, and we can't have them. I guess some people have them do it in the office. We don't do that. Yeah, no, good for you. Um, and the, yeah, Josh, yes, of course, this was great. This is great. And then we'll send them the link. And some will do it, but others just forget or run around to it. And then we'll call them. Yeah, yeah, we meant to, we meant to. And, and then you, you hate hounding the person, right? No, but here's another point. You can ask. You don't
0: have to ask at the end, right? And that was something that, that took me five years to realize is that when something good happens mid-case or something, you know, is interesting or you give them an update and they're thrilled, hey, do you mind writing us a Google review? Like, get them while it's hot.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I take it that you're somebody that does not like to waste time. You like to be, um, what's the right word? I mean, time management, uh, very protective of your time. I've learned a lot about automation from you and doing things um one time and then having it repeat itself when it's the same task help me dude (laughs) it is
0: gold and i'm not the expert there are a lot of lawyers there's facebook groups
1: there's all kinds of people you can pay but you've been you've been into it learning and trying right
0: Oh, yeah. And do well with it. Yeah, yeah. So don't sell yeah, yourself short because no, I mean, our whole onboarding automation process, our retainer, we have like the we have drip campaigns, we have all of these things, you know, the buzzwords that you hear all the time, like, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Well, it saves and not only does it save an incredible amount of time, but it also eliminates human error. Right? Like you're not gonna miss a comma when that email's already been drafted and is dripping out to everybody and you've reviewed it ten times. Do you use a third party to manage that or do you all do it yourself? We have a virtual assistant okay. who's our marketing VA. We got her through Plug to Vava Virtual Assistants. They're wonderful. Um, and she does a lot of our marketing work. She takes our – she repurposes my videos, we'll mm-hmm. say it that way, and mm-hmm. uses those all over the place. Um, but internally, we do a lot of our automations internally. We it's
1: The idea of using the, the virtual um, yeah, marketing assistant like you just mentioned, was that a leap of faith to try that? I know a lot of people have done it and liked it. Other people have – didn't have good experiences. I've never tried it.
0: Yeah. It, the answer is yes. It was a leap of faith for me, especially because they're not here. And like I said before, I'm a very in-person relationship person. And it's hard for me to talk to somebody who's across the country. Now, I will tell you, a lot of people use overseas VAs. Mm-hmm. That's not for me. That wasn't a leap I was willing to take. Yeah. I want someone who's on one of our time zones, who I can communicate with easily, who you know, I just have that trust factor with, especially when this is my law firm right? Like I've got two kids. This is my third kid. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that whoever I'm working with trust the firm as much as I do, and we'll hold it in that regard.
1: So how's does communication go? Email, telephone calls, zoom, whatever. For us, it's Slack and Zoom. Slack. So we did Slack for a while. Um, we went away from it. Um, probably should have stayed with it, but I don't know. You, you That's what y'all use?
0: That's what we use. It's uh, it works sometimes. Sometimes I'll miss a message and I'll get to it three days later. And that's just part of not being in the room together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I noticed with your automation was when I sent you the counter invite for this and I got an email back that instructed me, depending upon what category of person I was in, <laughs> who I needed to email, which, by the way, dude, you're laughing. I think that's freaking awesome. I mean, I send it to your calendar, and it's like, are you a client? Are you an attorney? Is this an emergency? Uh, is this a vendor? And then it tells you, like, send it to clients at this, at attorneys at that. So you're categorizing your emails, which makes it easier to get through.
0: The best thing we've ever done at the law firm. Gotta Hands down. right. Gotta Hands be, right? Out. It's, It's, like I said before, me getting out of the practice of law, right? So people can't look for me. They have to look for the firm.
1: So let, let me make sure I'm explaining this right. The best thing you do in the law firm is when people reach out to you, you automatically instruct them where their inquiry needs to go to. And then they follow the instruction and it gets where it needs to be. Yes. Right?
0: Yes. That's exactly right. Here's so here's how it works for for because I know conceptually it might be hard to understand this. So we have uh email addresses, clients at Leftcoff Law, attorneys at Leftcoff Law, admin at Leftcoff Law that are not
1: human names i like sos at leftcoff
0: sos if if it's just hit the fan
1: like right? and this has to an be an emergency
0: help you email sos at left please don't do that so that's that's what we've done and what it what it ha- that has done is when we tell clients and opposing counsel opposing counsel emails as at attorneys at leftcoff law clients email at clients at leftcoff law it gets automatically through our software sent to the right shared i should say with the right teams of people so that you don't need to see an email that doesn't pertain to you.
1: So clients, Who's When that email comes in, who's looking at it?
0: That goes to all, the whole team. Okay.
1: SOS, leftcalllaw. Who's that email?
0: The whole to? team. Okay. But, if that, <laughs> but, but,
1: you, but you how know, about this? But you're the bucket. It's, it's how about be. that?
0: If you send a SOS, we also all get a Slack message immediately saying an email has been sent to SOS with the details of the email so that if you're not looking at your email app, you're gonna get hit with an extra buzz.
1: Yeah. I like it, dude. I mean, people, the one complaint you hear from people, not one, but a big complaint is I'm just inundated with emails. I can't keep up with emails all day long emails. So y'all are figuring out a way to categorize it and make it less of a burden.
0: Yeah. So if I'm sitting in court and can't answer something, it's not going to me, it's going to the team so that somebody else in my office can answer that question or can buzz me if they need if it's like a
1: serious issue. Yeah. And we can get on it. You're an inbox zero guy, aren't you? I you know it. Yeah, I sure am. <laughs> I would be inbox negative if I could. There, There's not a hour that goes by where there's emails building up in my Not that I necessarily respond to them right away, but I just can't deal with it even being. Which sometimes I tell myself, it's like, don't look at email for a couple hours so that you can focus on your task. And I'll do that, and it will build up that time. But I will never leave the office with emails in my inbox.
0: So can I give you a secret? Please. Here, here's, our, here's our trick. So because all these emails go to different people— I don't check my email, my admin, I don't believe you. I, I don't, promise don't you, I don't believe I check you. my text messages. Sometimes I don't check my email. So my admin checks email. Then she, assi- I have like the notifications turned off. She assigns emails to me using our email program spark, which I love for teams, but she assigns them to me every couple of hours. And so every couple of hours, every two hours, I'll get a batch of, okay, you've gotten 14 emails. Here they are.
1: I and- couldn't love this more. D- does she want to take on somebody else to manage her email account? <laughs> They're virtual assistants. They'll do that. They'll do that. She's not. You're making me rethink the entire way I go about practicing. practicing that's
0: great. Ball. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell you, you may not have time for this, but at night I will sit down on the couch and I'll clear my emails out, especially okay. Sunday nights. So I walk in Monday morning. Everything taken care of. Yep. Clients know. Clients know that they might get an email from me Sunday night at 1030. And it's not because I'm, like, freaking out about their case. Yep. It's because I'm freaking out about my emails.
1: Yeah. So sometimes I will do that, but I will schedule the email to go out, like, Monday at sure. like, 9. So they don't think I'm some weirdo at Sunday night. But you're like, hey, you know, how it goes. Um, we talked about automation and the, uh, the Zapathon that I know that you did with this Maximum Lawyer group. Uh, That looks intense, dude. I watched some of the stuff y'all are putting on. I'm like, I'm kind of nervous just watching these people go about it. Talk about that, So So what that is and how y'all went about it and what you've learned from it.
0: I am so glad I signed up for that. That was kind of the beginning of that. Well, first off, that was February before COVID hit in March. And so it was kind of the last like in-person event that I ever went to before COVID hit. And it was in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was probably 30 attorneys or so that got together. We had an automation expert run this thing called a Zapathon. The reason Zapathon is because we all ran it through a program called Zapier or Zapier. I don't know how it's pronounced, but Z-A-P-I-E-R. And what that software does is it takes all of your other pieces of software and integrates them, where there may not be a direct integration between, let's say, your client management software and your task management software your client management software and your bookkeeping software whatever or your email program whatever it is and that zapier program allows you to say i use this piece of software and i use that piece of software and i want them to do this and you build that automation so that
1: it does it takeaway is there are so many tools at our disposal disposal right now that we can use to make our practices better
0: can i piggyback on that The other takeaway for us, what we've started doing is once a quarter, we have a firm, um, like collaboration session, right? A a workshop. It's really a workshop. There's a difference in a conference and a workshop, right? Mm -hmm. A workshop, you're actually getting stuff done. A conference, you're like kumbaya, listening to things, taking notes Mm -hmm. to do it later. So once a quarter, we get together as a firm and we have a workshop where we actually take a full day and we work on
1: things within
0: the firm to fix or make better.
1: Force people to set aside the eight hours to do it. You have to. Because, it, because otherwise, if you don't, you're busy with other stuff. Uh, can I ask an important question about the workshop? Like, really important question? Yeah. What's the food situation like during the day?
0: Uh, well, actually, it's funny. So last time, we actually, so we don't do it in the office. That's number one, because you're comfortable in your office. Just like if you work from home, you're comfortable at home. We went to an attorney, maybe we'll use your office. Next time. We went to an attorney's office um, by uh, Truist Park. And so we ended up walking to Antico and we yeah, got, some pizza, got some pizza Antico I don't know how it's pronounced
1: yeah Antico you like how that's where my head went like what, like if I'm gonna do this workshop like what am I eating no what and you really have to give me?
0: your team incentives have to you have, you
1: have to do that yeah yeah alright so before we get done I wanna we kinda of touch on marketing but I wanna kinda of get a little deeper into your views on marketing um cause I told you and I'm not lying that the stuff that you have sent out over the years that, that I've been fortunate enough to get to get uh you know get some of I still use um There's a Yeti mug that you, I get lots of Yetis. I I give out my own Yetis for crying out loud. The one that you sent out, I don't know why, it insulates properly. It's a different color. um, It's the right size. Like it's in my rotation. Um, That picture that I showed you that's in my office, it was a picture that you took off of, I guess, my Facebook page or Instagram account of me and my son at a baseball game. You sent it out, Josh, great picture, hope you're doing well, whatever it was, it's in my office. Um, you sent out some turkey, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, Brian. Brian, thank you. Um, that we use, and it's got your name on it. And I just love all of it. So, how do you view all this stuff? Like your approach to marketing? You talked about the relationships of it, but dude, bravo. I love it. Well, thanks. Bravo.
0: Thanks. It's, it's a labor of love for sure. For me, marketing is first off, I think about the things that I like, right? There's nothing like. Christmas time, you get something in the mail and you're like, what am I going to do with this squishy toy or this highlighter or this you know, box of almonds that I'm just – it's 12 pounds of almonds. I'm never going to eat this, right? Yeah, the first Especially if they're
1: unsalted. Who wants that? Yeah,
0: they're like, the first four almonds are great. Yeah. But then they just sit there in your office and now next thing you know, it's six months later and they're still sitting there. So for me, it's a what do I use, what do I like, and how do I take that – And affordably send it out to other people. And so we do on Thanksgiving, we do turkey brine because everyone does Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I want to do a holiday where nobody does. Smart. I'm not giving away my secret, but next year I've got another holiday that I'm really looking forward to. That's probably my favorite holiday, might be Fourth of July. That we're going to do something for Fourth of July. We'll be waiting. There you go. It's coming to you. Um so we so we're trying to do things that other people aren't doing and things that frankly we use on a day-to-day basis and that we like
1: i want to focus on the picture because again to me of all the things i've received that stands out the most so when you see somebody post a picture that you're like that's cool that's a picture that they would really enjoy having you're just like boom that's that's it and and i'm gonna print this out and put this nice thing on it and mail it to them? because I'll
0: I'll tell you how I did that in a second, but can I flip that question and ask you something? Yeah. What did you tell me when you showed me that picture? What were you going to do with that picture
1: after you posted it? Zero. Nothing. It was going to be sitting in my camera roll. For the end of time, where maybe if I'm on an airplane and there's no service for a minute, I go through all pictures. Tell people what that picture is. It's a picture of me and my son after a baseball game. He's got his hat backwards. He's got eye black on his eye. I remember exactly the game and they won. And it was when he was like 10. And those are great memories. And it's lit- I mean, you saw it. It's literally on my on my in my office, and I see it every day. Um, and I otherwise would never print that picture out, and I probably never thought of it again.
0: And we're all in the same boat. We're all in the
1: same boat. We take these pictures,
0: we post them on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, and they die. They go there. We post them. People give you likes, thumbs up. Oh, beautiful picture! Great picture! Like for you, I know how important baseball is. I know how how much time you've spent with your son because I see it on social media all the time. So we we do um, something a little different. It's again relationships, right? When we see something like that, it's not me stalking, although maybe it could be interpreted that way. But it's we see these pictures posted on social media. We'll take that photo and we'll send it. The uh, The vendor is called Send Out Cards. If you haven't heard of Send Out Cards, you should check them out. It's like $3. If I told you the price of that thing, you'd be like, oh, my God, I can't. Because it means so much more to you yes. than it ever yes. cost me, yes. right? Yes. So for $3, I take your picture. I put it on the front of a card. I put my logo on the inside of the card because you're going to stand it up on your you know, mantle or whatever. Nobody's going to see the inside. Only you will. So that's I don't care, right? It's not about me. It's about you. Yeah. Your photo goes on the front. We give you a message, you know, great picture of you and your wife, great picture of you and your son, just thinking about you, thought this was awesome, congratulations, whatever it is, your friends at Cough Law. And send out cards, here's the best part, they send it too. So I don't even have to do anything. Do we submit like, we push like six buttons, upload a picture, and it's gone.
1: All right, so what i am gonna doing once this, once this interview and podcast is over, I'm texting my wife, who handles a lot of our marketing stuff, and I'm going to say... She doesn't listen to all these podcasts. I'll just I'll out her. She doesn't. I'm going to say, you got to listen to Stephen Lefkoff podcast. And if you have to fast forward, which you shouldn't, go to minute 45, (laughs) follow exactly what he just said, because it's brilliant, dude. It's brilliant. I get all sorts of shit. But again, I'm serious. That one is great. And then um, your Waffle House stuff, you know, when you talked to Andy Goldner for a minute before he left, we just had a a quick interaction. And he said, who's coming in today? I told him, he goes, oh, yeah, Waffle House. So that's something you're known for, too. So tell people about that. Same thing. What do I like?
0: I, I mean, I'm a Georgia boy, right? Born born in Savannah, raised in Atlanta. We grew up Waffle House. Every Wednesday morning before school, my parents would take us to Waffle House on our way to school. We loved it. It's it's a staple. It gets funny reputations around the country, but it's a staple here, right? So I took my kids there one night for dinner. We were the only people there. Like, truly, it was me. My kid, my wife had a some event, and so I'm like, where can I go for a reason i mean affordable meals are hard to come by now so Mm -hmm. where can i go and they're gonna love it and whatever so we went to waffle house we're the only people in the restaurant i'm like you know what we should start doing this because i like waffle house who does and how can i give myself an excuse to go to waffle house more well I know I'll turn it into a networking function because yeah. that'll give me an excuse to be able to go to Waffle House, right? There's my hall pass. Yeah. i got a networking event.
1: I Honey, go. I'm working. It's work. I gotta go. It's work. I gotta
0: go. I gotta go. So we do a dinner. I, I created a Facebook group. We do Waffle House networking dinners once a month. They're about to start back up in January. It's the Waffle. It's the Waho networking group if you want to find it on Facebook. Yeah. And And there's nobody there but us. The restaurant, actually, restaurant, the, 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 the Waffle House. It's a the restaurant. House. We'll call it the house. Now, yeah, the w- Wahoo. We now know the, we know the servers. We know the cook. We know everybody there. They will shut down the restaurant and make it only takeout only for everybody else mm-hmm. and allow us to come in and have our dinners. How many folks are you getting at a time? We've had, like, at the low end, we've had, like, eight. At the high end, we've had close to 20. That's great. And, and you know the best part about it? You can only fit four people in a, in a booth. booth. Yeah. So you have no choice but to have conversations. You're not at one of those. I mean, we've all been there. How many functions have you been to where there's 20 people at a long rectangle? You have no idea what the other side of the table is talking about. You don't. You know. You have. You're unable to actually communicate with anyone except the person across from you,
1: and it's weird. And the booths are kind of tight, so you're kind of forced to are. be right, right in there. Like they, you're, you're, you're on. You know, you're talking. You have no choice. You have no choice. But it's also, you know,
0: what's nice? It's affordable. It's comfort food. You can wear whatever you want, right? You're an attorney, and you just got from the gym. Okay, great. Come on, come, on. come yeah. bring your gym clothes. Who cares? And and it's quick, so you're not stuck there for three hours in some like stuffy steak dinner where you don't know when it's when you're going to be able to leave.
1: Go whenever. Love it. What's the standard order waffles for you? Oh, for me, hey, everybody's a, got one. For
0: me, it's an old fashioned veggie omelet. Old fashioned for those that don't know. They so most omelets. If you order a regular omelet at Waffle House, they will take your eggs, they crack it into a milkshake maker, and they will put it up into the milkshake spinner, and it'll spin the eggs to fluff them up. In an old-fashioned omelet, they'll crack regular eggs on the skillet, and they make the omelet like you would at home. So I do an old-fashioned veggie omelet with hash browns scattered, covered peppered and steamed. Steamed, they use ice instead of oil. I really know a lot about Waffle House. Let's say it that way.
1: <laughs> that was a really good description, man. That's I thought, it? What's, I thought, you, I thought what's your Waffle House? Yeah, order? I thought you were going to just say something. That, uh, so so before I tell you mine, do you still look at the menu every time you go there? Because Never. I do. And I'm like, what am I doing looking at this menu? Like, I know exactly what is going to be on there.
0: So they shrink the menu each time I go. It's like, it's more pictures and less words every time I go there.
1: I look at it. And I'm like, Josh, you know exactly what it says. So my, my order is directly in relation to how hungry I am, which is usually pretty hungry.
0: Okay,
1: When I'm hungry, I order everything I see. I just start pointing at things. I just start pointing at things. The
0: pictures get you. The
1: pictures get me. Um, so I guess I do use a menu, but if I'm just like Conan going there, I'll get a um, baked egg and cheese, double hash browns. It's kind of like my, kind of just where I start. And then my son, he orders everything. I mean, he he's, you say it's cheap, not with him. No,
0: it's not, not my son not, either. Not
1: with him because you talk about pictures. Um, he wants the bacon. He wants the ham. He wants the eggs. He wants the hash browns. He wants the toast. He wants the waffle. I ain't gonna tell him no. Like you want these boys to beef up and and get big. And so I just start eating off his plate, you know. And and my wife, she's cheese and egg. The cheese and eggs plate. Um, every time they get their cheese and their eggs better than any place else. I don't care how much cheese I put at home. Theirs is better. The, you know, this is the
0: debate in our house because my daughter gets the cheese and eggs as well. And she says, daddy, you can never make it like they do at Waffle She's house. right. I asked, She's right. So here's a funny story. So I asked the cook because, you know, we're like first name basis at this right. point. I said, how do you make the cheese and eggs so good? He says, they take a small cast iron pan. It's like, I don't know, maybe the diameter is five inches, four, four to six inches. Maybe it's six inches. I don't know. And they first thing they do is they put the cheese in
1: Oh, interesting. and then they crack
0: the e- they pour the eggs on top of the already hot cheese. I'm gonna try that. I, I still haven't tried it. It's like seems mytho- mythological. Myth. I
1: don't know. I'm with you. More so. Birmingham. The second text I'm gonna send my wife is go to minute 51 for instructions on how to get our better cheese and eggs um, because we we you know we make eggs at home. My son, and my daughter's like that's just not as good as waffle I'm like, look, I'm trying. It, it, it's the eggs. Your it's home is cheese, probably also shade. not
0: as. It doesn't smell the same. It's not yeah. as cold. Yeah. It's all those other. Now things.
1: you're in. You're into cooking. I mean, you're a big green egg. You're out there grilling. You're doing your pastrami's. So that's a thing of yours, right? Yeah. How much? How much
0: time do we have? Because I've got an amazing story that I think you' I think listeners will actually really appreciate.
1: I have as much time as you're willing to give me.
0: All right. So here we go. So Kamado, I have two Kamado Joe grills. Here's the story behind the Kamado Joe Grills. And I got to be a little bit, mm, I don't know, attorney-client. No, it's not attorney-client, but it's just fine. So here's what, back in my old days at my old law firm, we had a lawsuit where we were suing a couple of guys um, for an issue with coin-operated amusement games. The kinds, of, you know, you go into a gas station and people are playing the like, pick out the differences in the two you whatever. So we, uh, we represented a business owner who had sold his coin-operated business to these two buyers. And there was issues with default and all kinds of whatever other things. So um, I'm involved in the lawsuit. We end up getting it settled the second week of the jury trial. So we're week one passed, we're in week two of the jury trial, and we strike a settlement. Fast forward like two years, two or three years, and I'm in Costco where they're doing the Kamado Joe Road Show. And it's about my birthday. And I'm like, I'm you know what? I'm treating myself, I'm buying one of these things. So I bought the grill. I get home. I open up the, the guidebook, because I'm like, all right, now i got to figure out how to use this thing. And the first page has this welcome letter. Well, sure enough, the people who signed the welcome letter had the same names as the people in the lawsuit. Right. And I'm going, wait a second. This can't be. But then I read, they're in Duluth, Georgia. I'm like, oh my gosh, it has to be. How could this it's possibly? It's got to be the same. has to be, right? So me be, I was on the other side of the V, right? I, we were suing that. I was. That's what I was assuming, yes. And- uh, but you know what? Whatever. It's relationships. Yeah. So I send an email to the owner of the company. I find his email address. I'm like, you may not remember me, but I was involved in this lawsuit, blah, 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 whatever. I was an associate attorney, kind of low level at the time. But so, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He writes me back about an hour later. He goes, not only do I remember you, but your lawsuit is the reason we started Kamado Joe.
1: No kidding. And
0: not only is it the reason we started Kamado Joe, because we w- realized that business was not good for us, we want to start something else. It's now a $40 million company, and we'd love to have you out to see the factory. So I go to the factory. at that. This was five, six years ago. They since sold it for, for nine figures. For over $100 million, they sold the company. But I go out to the factory he may he gives me a grill. I'm
1: about to say at least let my man throw you a grill.
0: Gives me a an $800 grill. Gives me another $500 in accessories. Like I'm proselytizing for the company. But that but that's exactly what he's that's like. Great. He's like it's all because of that lawsuit. Had that not happened,
1: who so knows what go. we'd be doing? There you go, doing good work out there, resulting in that kind of a, of a seismic just, shift.
0: And you never know where like the stars will take you.
1: So what I like best about that story is your initiative to go reach out to him right
0: yeah i did not care Dude, I, I mean what's but, the worst that happens he well, hates me but it but it's, okay.
1: it's it's more than that it's it's i mean it took you i'm guessing less than 5 minutes to write the email but you thought about it you did it and you went through with it um and i think that's the takeaway is nothing could have gone wrong from doing that right like so they don't write, write you back
0: Gretzky's line you you Miss all the shots Jordan, you don't take. Jordan's, or Jordan's, line. Jordan's I tell line my kids that all the
1: time. Um, again, I take,
0: I take the baseball version. You got to swing to get a hit. Got to
1: swing to get a hit. Again, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll pump Jonathan Hawkins again from last week. Like he was telling me some of the, the things that he did, some of the kind of risks he took, and some places he went. And I'm like, that's what I tell my kids, like, say yes, do things. Like, don't be reckless, but do it. Right. You get one life.
0: Right. Retire when you want. Smile as much as you can. All the all the other. Things you read, you know, all the nice sayings you see on social media, whatever. But it's true, you get one life, right? You don't want to have what ifs. I don't, that's
1: yeah. for sure. 100%. All right, before we're done, uh, one thing that me and you did talk about was that you might actually better bring some NBA basketball talk to this podcast, which, <laughs> which to date, um, let's just say we've been kind of light on. Um, I'm not a, I, I like basketball. Uh, I don't follow the NBA. In the playoffs, if the Hawks are in it, I'll turn it on. I guess Trey Young is an interesting figure in Atlanta. Are you still a fan? I mean, so so, when
0: I was studying abroad in London, I followed on the computer screen.
1: So, so let me ask you just a couple questions. First one is what, what is this in season tournament all about and should I care and why do they introduce it?
0: Okay. So uh, what is it about? I really don't know. I mean, it's about money, right? Everything's always about money. Should you care? No. Can I, can good, I answer it that simply? I had the same conversation with my 10 year old son. He's like, daddy, why are they doing this? And I looked at him and I said, you know, I really don't know. I don't know. It's, it's TV, it's commercials, it's rights. It's all the same. Okay.
1: So I'm on the right track with there. You're good. Check. Second, uh, can Trey Young lead this team to more than what they've done so far? I mean, he's a superstar in the league. Does he need, you know, his wingman or two wingmen? Uh, is there going to be a title in the Hawks' future in the next five to ten years?
0: So I'm an eternal optimist. So my answer is yes. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. Does the does the microphone pick that volume up? Uh, <laughs> you, you told me to buy these. They're pretty
1: sensitive. They're good. <laughs> so
0: I don't know. Not without help. I mean, they're they're like any other team in any other sport. They this year they're running back pretty much the same cast of characters they had last year. Last year they finished on the tail end of the playoff spectrum. This year, they'll probably be a little better because they'll play together another year. But they're a 50-50 team. They're a 500 team. They'll be a 500 team unless they do anything.
1: It seems like basketball purgatory sometimes, right? That's exactly it, what it is. It, it, it's like, yeah. you know, they're they're entertaining to folks that follow them. They're just good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not going to make a deep run. And so what do you do? You blow it all up and hope that your next draft high draft pick hits, but Trey Young hit. So it's like, what do you do?
0: Yeah, that's a tough position to be in. I don't know what you do. But I know that it's hard to uh, it's hard to convince people in Atlanta. I mean, we saw in the Braves. We, we've seen over the years. It's hard to convince you to spend hard-earned money on a team that you know is just going to be there.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're recording this a few days after the Dogs lost Alabama. You doing okay? Hanging in. Yeah, me too. I'm hanging in. Me it's too.
0: Time heals wounds. You know that was that was tough.
1: It was tough, but you know what? We've had a great two-year run, and I used to get way, way, way more upset over the losses. Maybe it's a combination of being older, other things going on, or just the recent run of success means like, hey, I would have taken this over a lifetime. So I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm I'm fine about it. I hate it was Alabama. Sorry, my Alabama friends. I hate it was y'all. It's true. Um, but that's where I'm at.
0: I think that, uh, yeah, I agree with you. So so I had the stages of grief, right? First, I blame the refs. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, but there's lots of plays in a football game, right? It's not all about that. And then you're like, oh, but then you blame the committee. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, there's all these. It was that one weird year where you had truly – I mean, I remember years where there were five deserving teams, maybe a sixth, you know, and there's like the who was left out. This year there were like six that honestly – any one of them could have been in there and, and
1: just just right. a just a wacky year, man. Um Glad that's, it's how, last that's how one. it goes. And then the Braves, they came up short too. So I think all of our all of our Georgia teams just as much success as we found in twenty twenty one, um, which was great, we're now kind of paying. You know what the pipe
0: though? It's that. all better than what we had the 10 or 15 years preceding that it's all better or
1: 20 years or whatever it's history it's all better so uh dude this was fantastic it was worth it was worth the wait and some rescheduling and what i'm really excited about is you're the last podcast i'm going to do of 2023 Oh, so, nice. so you'll have some some runway to get some uh, you know even even more downloads and viewership. People listening because I think of of all the people I've had recently, like you got some really good stuff to drop on people. Um, I might ask you to send me over some of the um, some of the tools you use so we can add it in there. You know, show notes—that's a formal word, you know. Yes, deal. Sure, because. Um, I'm going to ask for some of that stuff. I know other people will too. So uh, do we cover anything? Anything else? That we, I, need to bring I just have to
0: apologize to your wife for giving her more work to do. Is what it sounds like. Yeah,
1: but this is <laughs> this is stuff that, that, that she likes doing. But it's good. And it'll be good stuff. So uh, appreciate you, dude. Of course. Um, for people who need to find you all these different things you got, Best email address of the different out oh, there, uh, or website, or what's the best way to reach you? social yeah, so media? I don't know. After
0: I just told people not to use my personal email address, it's <laughs> Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, at dot Law.com, L-E-F-K-O-F-F-L-A-W. Happy to answer any questions, give you our software stack that we use, talk about some of these vendors that we use. It's my pleasure. And the, the website is
1: www.lefkofflaw.com. And you're a good follow on LinkedIn, too. So,
0: yeah, we have a good time. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Josh. Yeah. Appreciate it, dude. Uh, And thank you all out there for listening. Uh, Been a good 2023. Pumped out a lot of these episodes. Had some great guests on, like I said in the beginning. You know, go back and listen to a few. There's some movies you can watch, like I said, but also some podcasts. So happy holidays. Happy New Year. All the things. We'll be back in 2024 with some some fresh episodes. And uh, as always, until next time, keep chopping, everyone.